Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon. If you come to my Sunday school, you've been any time that I've spoken, um, one of the things that I talk about quite often is what is our first rule of Bible study? Context. Context. Whenever we're looking at Scripture, context is important. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. The reason I tell you that today is because this morning I am context. I'm here to set the stage because we're talking today about Christ. In us and through us. And my focus is on our past before Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, mark your spot your bulletin in there or whatever. We're going to be looking through all of Ephesians chapter 2, well, most of Ephesians chapter 2 throughout everyone else speaking too, but I'm just going to be focusing on the first few verses. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, on whom we conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Before Christ, we are known by and characterized by sin. We are sinners. Romans 5.10 takes it even beyond that. We're not just sinners, but Romans 5.10 tells us we were the enemies of God. It isn't just that we were both walking some parallel paths, us and God, and you know, we just weren't in the same circles. We were directly opposed to our God. John 8.34 says, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. How many of you have ever sinned before? We've all sinned, and because of that, we are a slave to it. In computer terms, sin is our default setting. It is what we are going to do naturally. And before Christ, we were stuck. Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Our very best that we could do is characterized by disgusting, filthy rags. And that is the best of what we could do before Christ. Our sin carries us everywhere. We're driven by it. We're compelled by it. That was our focus. That's what we desire. That's what we chased after. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 tells us, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. 
and such were some of you. That is us before Christ. I got saved when I was young. I was five or six years old when I accepted Christ as my Savior, so I did not have a checkered past. I was not the four-year-old carrying a knife all the time, threatening everyone on the playground. I was a good kid. And so for a long time, when I was asked to share my testimony, I was always kind of disappointed because I didn't have like a cool testimony. I didn't have one of those pasts that I had to leave behind and get past. And I know a lot of you do have those types of testimonies, and we're able to gather together here and celebrate what Christ has done in our lives. But no matter what you were like before Christ, the Bible is clear. If you commit one sin, you're guilty of all. So if you have committed sin, you've committed all of it. And that's exactly what my testimony truly is. It's what all of ours are. We were destined for hell, destined for damnation. We were on the path to hell. And we were perfectly fine with it. We were driven by our desires. We were driven by our flesh. We were driven by that. That was us before Christ. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 tells us, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. How many of you had bad things happen because of your sin? All of us have. That's what sin is. It's a corruption. And the things that we do set the stage for what is going to come later on. We are sowing what we will one day reap. And before Christ, the picture was bleak. But, lucky for all of us, I'm not the only person speaking today. And so, the story's not over yet. All right. We're still going to be in Ephesians 2. And man, these songs we're singing, just really, just studying for this through this passage has really been uh, hitting me hard. And the song the kids sing, like, he's still working on me. And that's, that's real. That's true. It's not just for kids. <laughs> it's for big old people like us, too, you know? But we're talking about our, our, our Christ in us and through us and our present salvation in Christ. Can you bring up the next slide? Because I need to remember what it says. <laughs> our present in Christ. And we're, we, we talk, Tim talked about our past. And thankfully, God intervened. <laughs> and we're going to look at this. I'm going to just read a few verses here. We're going to be looking at, and we're going to be reading 4 and 5 and then jump down to 7 and 8. And excuse me, eight and nine, man. I, all right, so let's read it. To, I'm going to read it. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, and even when we were dead in trespasses, 
made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And jump down to verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we're looking at our presence in Christ, our salvation. So how did we all get saved? Now, there's two ways in religion that is thought about and how we can attain salvation or how we can go to heaven or whatever it may be. And we're going to look at that really quickly. And this, these verses are so simple, and I hope you get a hold of it. If you're saved and you're not sure, like maybe I, I might lose my salvation or I'm not sure if I sin or something like that, it's all based, it's all settled. If you believe in Jesus Christ, it's settled. And it's our present continuous situation because of what God has done. So let's look at verse 4 a little bit closer. It says, But God who is rich in mercy. Now, what is mercy? It's, it's, it speaks of restraining justice. God didn't give us the justice we deserve based upon our past. We deserved it, all of us. And that's something we, it's, we, it connects us together. We, we all deserve that. But God who is rich in mercy. Isn't it great he, he is rich in something good? <laughs> rich in mercy. Our memory verse, I was just thinking about it when we were looking at it. It says he, is, he has, according to the, all that stuff with forgiveness was according to the riches of his grace. You know, when we deal with our money and our finances as adults and families, and we try to do what? We try to have somewhat of a budget. <laughs> we don't want to overspend the money that we have. In our, you know, we don't want our outcome to exceed our income, right? <laughs> you know what? God doesn't budget mercy and grace. It's free. It's, he's rich in that. You think of a rich person. They don't have to, like, budget the way that normal, normal people do. <laughs> but God is rich in mercy and why is he rich in mercy? What does it say here? Because of his great love with which he loved us. So his mercy comes out of his love for us. You know, we think about maybe your children. You, you're merciful to them and gracious to them. Why? Because you love them. You won't want to bring them justice every time. Sometimes you want to be merciful. And that's the way God was. God is a just God, and he has to punish sin. But he was rich in mercy, and because of his great love with which he loved us. And it says, and it refers back to what Tim was saying in our past in verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, even when we were condemned, we had the death sentence upon us, we were spiritually dead, he has made us alive together with Christ. So he's, that is our present situation. It's, it's something that happened in the past but our present situation is we have this. By grace you have been saved. So I want to talk about God's salvation real quick. That is our present situation. We can all say that we have a, the same way. We got saved the same way. And nobody got saved from uh, some other different way. We all got saved by grace. Why? Because we were all condemned. And we all were saved by grace through faith. And that's, read this, that's what it says here. By grace you have been saved. It is... We're talking about our present in Christ. It is a finished, our salvation is a finished result of the past that are always present with a believer. It's something that's settled. It's something that happened in the past. But it is presently our situation. We have salvation. We have peace with God. Let's look, jump down again to verse 8. It says, for by grace you have been saved. Grace. What is grace? It's 
God giving us something. It's something God gives us, a gift in a way. It's God giving us something. It's unmerited favor, something we didn't deserve. All of us have been saved by grace. It says, you have been saved, and, back, and you have been saved is really like the subject of this whole thing. This is the, what the topic is, and the, all these things point back to this subject or this phrase, and I'm going to list them out here. And, you've, and this is so simple, I'm making it complicated. I hope I don't. But many people have. It says, the first thing is, it's the gift of the, you have been saved by grace, but by grace you have been saved. And it says, through faith. Let's look at that, stop for a second there. So grace is something that God does, and faith is something that we do. We've got to accept that grace. It's believing. It's coming to the point where we can't do it ourselves, and the only way we can be saved is to accept his grace through faith. And it says it's just making it super simple and super clear, and there's no confusion about it. It's not of of yourselves. The gift of God or the salvation... You have been saved. It's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So it's a gift of God. Saying the same thing in a different way. Um, Not of works. Verse 9. So it's by faith. It's not of works. That's the opposite. The Bible clearly makes it. there's There's two ways that people think. Maybe even the Jewish people thought in that day. They were falsely teaching. Maybe you could be saved by the works of the law. And Paul says that's not the way. We were saved by grace. It's through faith, not of works. And here's the last phrase, lest anyone should boast. And I'm going to just read some verses here. Now, some people think, you know, obviously there's a lot of religious ideas about how you can be saved. And a lot of it, unfortunately, is through some kind of works. So you've got to be good enough to merit God's favor or good enough to get into heaven or, you know, we'll hopefully we'll stand before God and God will judge your works. And you don't want that. You do not want that. You do not got, want God to judge your works. Because why? Well, it's, it's our, because of our past. Because of our past. And so that doesn't work. That, work that, that system of religion, system of works is not an option. It's only by grace, through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works lest any should boast. I'm going to read, if you would, maybe turn right quickly back to Romans chapter 4. And Paul deals with this a lot in a lot of his letters. Paul, uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 1. It's talking about Abraham. And it's just saying the same thing um, about Abraham. And Abraham was before the law. What shall we, verse 1, what shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. And what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So the whole idea is if he was going to be saved by works, then he would be, have something to boast about. And that's, what, that's, what it's, that's another problem with the idea of works. God wanted to make a way of salvation that we cannot boast anything we've done, it's all, we all give the glory to him because of his grace. Grace glorifies God, works glorifies man. And you know what? This applies to all of us. Even in this little church, the local church, we're all saved the same way. We're all on the same common ground. The great preachers, the great evangelists, the great authors of Christian stuff, I mean, they're all saved. We're all saved the same way. 
And so that's something I want to think about. I, wanna, I need a volunteer, and Joel just left, so I can't use him. <laughs> um, Lance, would you come up here for a second? I don't know. Would you come up here for a second? For a minute? <laughs> Sorry, I'm putting him on the spot. You don't have to say anything. You just stand up here. Now imagine that this, this is a Bible, but let's imagine in our imagination that this is salvation. This is God's gift to us. Now Lance is going to be, say it's just a gift in general, and you want to give me this gift, so offer that, offer that gift to me. Now I, what do I have to, now don't give it to me until I take it. <laughs> now God doesn't force it on us, okay? Now he, I, he can offer it to me and I hold it out. Now what do I have to do? I have to take it. Now, what if I say, well, wait a second, man, here, um, just a second. I really appreciate that. Let me give you some money. I don't have any money. Matter of fact, I owe millions of dollars, and so I can't, there's no way I can pay you for that gift. And that's exactly the way it is with salvation. Uh, we cannot even, even if we wanted to pay for the gift that God is giving us, um, the only way we can do is, all the thing we can do is just take it from him. And that's what happened with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lance. <laughs> that's all we have to do. So that's all you have to do if you haven't received the gift of salvation, you haven't received God's gift. That's all you've got to do. It's not based upon your past. It's not based upon your future. It's based upon you believing what God said and accepting his gift. And God's gift is himself. He's given us himself to be with us throughout all eternity, our present in Christ. Those of you that are visiting with us here today, we don't normally do everything exactly the way we're doing it today. Uh, we often just have one speaker up here, uh, but I wanted to focus on it a little bit differently today and get more of the church involved because this is a celebration of the church. and. You know, it's a blessing for us to have some guests with us here today who are special people in my life and connected in uh, a ministry we support, a couple of ministries we support, and a blessing to have them here today and to have you. We have some of our regular, active, faithful folks who've been around for two dozen years, and they're out sick today, so uh, we're missing them. Uh, if you are a guest here today, there are some yellow cards you can drop in the offering box. Give us some information about you. That'd be a blessing uh, to get that, and we can pray for you. you. On the back side, there's places to write prayer requests and praises. So we are focusing, we're doing a series through the book of Ephesians, and the focus is in him. That's that's the series that we're doing. It centers around Christ. And this is one of several messages. We've worked our way through chapter 1, and we're jumping into this pericope in chapter 2, and, and we're going through this passage. And uh, this morning, we've had a focus on what was the first part, Tim's part? Our past before Christ. Uh, when when I look at my life, I was ha having lunch with a friend this past week, and I said, you know, for me, B.C. is before Christ, and I was a totally different person, B.C. And some of you were, Tim was a nice kid, B.C. I'm not so nice, but uh, Christ changed us. He transformed us. And now, uh, Ben was talking about what? The present in Christ. The past before Christ, the present in Christ. So what do you think I'm going to focus on? 
the future with Christ. See, you were dead in sins. You were lost and on your way to hell. That was your past before Christ. And then now you are saved and you are forgiven and you are on your way to heaven. And we rejoice in that. Uh, But that was then and this is now. And now what about tomorrow? What's your future going to be like? What about the days and weeks and months and years ahead? What about your eternal future? What about the life to come? So when we focus on our future with Christ, I want you to think about it in two very different ways. How many of you can count all the way to two? Okay, Uh, we got this. The ones who couldn't, they're over in children's church teaching the kids. (laughs) No, they're not. Uh, But the truth is... Everybody can count this high, okay? So I want you to think about this in two different ways. First of all, your eternal future. Your eternal future, that's the end of your life on earth. So let's look in verses 6 and 7, okay? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Verse 6 This is something he has already done. He's already made a place for us in heaven. He's raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So you're sitting right here in this church service, but God already has you positionally in heaven with him. He's already made a place for you there. You already belong there. This is not just you hope you get there, you die, you stand before Peter at the pearly gates, please let me in. No, you're already going there. Absent from the body, present with the Lord, instantaneously. You belong there. So God has already done that in you. You haven't seen it yet. We can't even imagine how awesome it's going to be, but we know we belong there. And so in verse 6, he's made a reservation in your name. It's locked in. It's fully prepaid. It's fully preloaded. It's guaranteed. Uh, You will be there fully and eternally guaranteed by God. You're going to get there because you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. But then he talks in verse 7 about the future. That in the ages to come. See, when this church started... The pastor who started this church, Clay Shore, he got it going, got it started. He didn't know for certain it would be around for 50 years. He planned to be here for a little longer than he was. Uh, We've had several pastors who've had to leave or retire because of health issues and complications in their personal lives. And and so God has blessed. Uh, Kathy and I were talking about it this week. It's not... It is unusual to have pastors stay for 25 years. That's not the norm in churches across our country and around the world. Uh, But it doesn't just take a pastor and wife who stay at it and keep going. It takes a church who accepts them and works with them and partners with them and assists them uh, because pastoral ministry is not isolated. It's engaged. Peter said, you're among the congregation. You're serving and ministering. And so it takes a whole bunch of people to make it work. And we have been blessed to be able to be part of Victory Baptist Church. Ironically, in my life, dad was in the Air Force and we moved a lot. 
By the time I started sixth grade, I'd already lived in five different states. And so, I'm sorry, by the time I started first grade, I'd already lived in five different states. God, we moved a lot uh, when I was a kid. And then uh, when I came here, I had never lived anywhere more than six years. And so when I came, the church said, you know, what do you anticipate? The longest term pastor before me was Gene Schaefer, who came right before me and was a friend of mine. He medically retired and then stayed and helped me for five more years before he went to be with the Lord. But, but Gene was here for six years as the pastor. And so they said, oh, you know, how long do you want to be here? Because they'd had a pastor come, say he was committed and be gone in a little over a year. And that's really hard on a church. And I said, well, I'm hoping God will give me at least 20. Well, he did that, you know. Now we're working on 40. No. <laughs> Chances are I won't still be pastoring then. But, you know, God blesses us when we walk with him in this life. Amen. But you know what? The life to come is going to be so much better. And as verse 7 says, that... Um, in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. See, we're not just saved by grace, as Ben was talking about. Uh, we all need that because Tim was talking about we're lost. We're sinners. We're on our way to hell. And we need God's mercy and we need God's grace. And praise God, we receive that. And we're grateful for that. But you know what? We can't imagine how awesome it's going to be when we get to heaven. We're going to belong there. He has a phenomenal future planned for us. Life eternal. Freedom from pain and suffering. How many of you ever experienced a little bit of pain in your life? How many of you are sitting next to that pain? No, I'm just, don't do okay, No pointing, no. Okay, but, but we have freedom from pain and freedom from suffering, freedom from sin and freedom from struggling. We're gonna have fellowship with, with Bible characters that have really influenced your life. You know, I love the Psalms of David, but the Psalms that really resonate in my heart and life are the Psalms of Asaph. Asaph had the same mental and emotional distresses that I've had in my life. And I read Asaph's psalms, and it's like, wow, and I can't wait till I get to heaven and say, dude, did you know, 2,000 years after you wrote that, 3,000 years after you penned that one, I was still being blessed by it. It'll blow his mind to know how many people have been blessed by what he did. And we'll be able to have conferences with people like that. Uh, you know, there'll probably be standing room only to get in to hear the Apostle Paul in person. Uh, we're going to have fellowships with loved ones who've gone before. You know, just this year, the last member of the pulpit committee that called me to be the pastor here led the church to call me. That pulpit, the last member of that pulpit committee went to be with the Lord this year. I've watched them go be with the Lord over the years, and it's a sad loss. And they were a great blessing to this church. And now, as Tim pointed out in our men's thing yesterday, new people are stepping in, and they're continuing that legacy for future generations. We're going to have fellowships with people who've in influenced our lives and our ministries. We're, we're going to see a new heaven and a new earth. You know, this earth is pretty spectacular. 
I love road trips and seeing things and hiking and, and lo- love to go places. And, and this world is pretty fantastic. But it's going to be nothing compared to what's going to come. Jesus is going to constantly be blowing our minds by his awesome grace. We're not going to have any idea that life could be that good. He's so gracious. And there's not going to be any hyping newscasters. There's not going to be warring political factions. You know, you're going to be able to use your gifts and abilities to honor Christ And you won't have that internal struggle that Paul talked about in Galatians where the spirit or against the flesh, that'll be gone. Uh, You're going to not have fear. You're going to be totally accepted and using your skills and ability to bring honor and glory to God and to bless other people. You're going to see better. You're going to hear better. You're going to love better. You're going to be the best version of yourself for all eternity. Our future is... In Christ. Now that's part of the future. That's your eternal future. That's the end of your life on earth. But see, there's another future too. Because you're right here and way over here, that's your eternal future. But in between where you are now and where you're going to be then, we have a smaller daily future. And that's the rest of your life on earth. Now, when Ben was talking about people try and earn their way to heaven because of good works, you cannot earn enough good works to make your way to heaven. But once you have been saved, works then become important. Your works are now a gift you give back to the Lord. Look down in verse number 10. He says, for we are his workmanship. Whose workmanship? His. We're his workmanship. God's doing a work, I'd like to say this. He's working on you, in you, through you, with you, and for you. Uh, God's doing that work. He's working in you. You are his workmanship, his masterpiece, his artistic uh, creation. Now, some people knew me before Christ. Now, Jim and Cloyce did. All they knew was green boys were trouble. They didn't really know me personally that well. Uh, Kathy knew me before Christ, but she only saw the church version when I went to church and was forced to be on good behavior. Uh, She didn't see. We went to different schools, which I'm forever grateful for, because if she'd gone to the same school I had, she probably never would have dated me. In fact, one of her close friends in college Uh, when Kathy showed up with her engagement ring and her friend said, ooh, who is it? Is it somebody I know? And Kathy said, well, his name's Terry Green. And the girl went, oh, I went to junior high with a guy named Terry Green. He was scary. He was a creep. And Kathy said, same guy. He trusted Christ as his savior and Christ changed his life. You know, you're his workmanship. In fact, when when I finished eighth grade, they, they had a yearbook in our school 
I didn't buy one, but several of my friends did, and they showed me what was said about me. In the yearbook, they had things like, this person is most likely to become president, or this person is most likely to be a fashion model. This person is most likely to be a successful business person. This person is most likely to be a future scientist, you know? You know what it said about me? This person is most likely to spend the rest of his life in the penitentiary. That's what it said. But I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And he changed my heart. He changed my daily future. And he changed my big eternal future. He did both. You know, just a few years after that yearbook was printed, my best friend in high school got saved. He saw when I got serious about following Jesus Christ, he trusted Jesus Christ as his savior. He is in heaven right now, in part because the influence I had on him when I got serious about following Christ. See, when that yearbook was printed, they thought, here's the thing we know about Terry Green, he's going to prison. We're not exactly sure which of his crimes will get him there, but we know where he's going. I mean, there were cops who knew me on a first-name basis. They knew that's where I was going. I'm very thankful to God that I lived through those bad years and that I lived and received the grace of God and that he changed me. See, God transforms your heart and your life. God doesn't just save you from hell. He saves you from you. From the you you would be without him. From the you you were going to be. The you on the road, as Tim said, you were on the road to hell. That's where you were going. That's where you deserved to go. And then as Ben said, but God, who is rich in mercy, stepped in and changed your life. And he changed your daily life. And he changed your future. So when you trusted him as Savior, asking him to forgive your sins, he redeemed your life at that moment. But he also redeemed all of your future. As the songwriter said, when others see a shepherd boy, God can see a king. So uh, I praise God that he changes who we are, not just where we're going. So Kathy's parents were the middle school directors of the Sunday school in our church when she and I were in middle school. She was a year behind me. And so... They had me for all of my seventh grade year. Well, half of my seventh grade year, we moved in the middle, and then all of my eighth grade year. And so they were thrilled when I trusted Christ. And if I had not trusted Christ, they would have been scared to death if I'd come to ask their daughter out. But you know what? You may be having relational problems. You may be having financial problems, emotional problems, spiritual problems, but you're not stuck. Christ can redeem who you are right now, and he can redeem your future. He can save you from who you would become. And now he has created a path so that you would do good works. See, when I was, you know, at my worst in those years in junior high, 
God already had this plan down the road that Terry's going to get saved and Terry's going to get called to preach and Terry's going to preach my name in multiple states and in multiple countries because God is awesome and he plans things for us and he transforms who we are and where we're going and what we're doing because he saw what my mother couldn't even see. He saw the hope of Terry Green redeemed in Christ. And no one else could see that. Not my pastor, not my mom even, certainly not my dad, not my teachers, not my classmates, but Jesus Christ could. And so some of you have adult children who are not following God. And it's a burden in your life. And you're praying for them. And God can already see the turning point in their life. If they're going to turn to him and trust him and follow Christ, God already sees that down the road. You can't see it yet. He can. Just keep praying. Keep trusting him for your future. Because Christ is working in us and Christ is working through us. You have no idea what great things God can do if you will simply trust and follow Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your awesome love. We thank you that we are not saved by what we do. We're saved by what Jesus did. So it can't be taken away. We can't lose it. There have been people who've been elected and then had to leave office because of scandal. There have been people who were uh, recognized for outstanding work and then fired because of errors. But we cannot lose our salvation because we did not earn it. If we receive that free gift that you promised is an eternal gift, you make us part of your eternal family. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for this church. Victory Baptist Church has had an impact for Christ for 50 years. Every year we've seen people saved. Every year we've seen people baptized. Uh, We have seen missionaries go forth from this place. We've seen folks go forward to serve you in other states and in other ministries. And we are blessed because you brought us together in this place. We thank you on this day for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who called this church his body and made us part of his ministry. And we rejoice. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.